You know, we love to talk about the God of mercy and think how merciful he's been to us. But this morning in our study, we're seeing God as a judge. And you know what he says? He says, go and destroy the Amalekite nation. I mean, destroy them. Men, women, children, babies, livestock. And we look at that, that really, God? Really? A whole nation, children and babies, animals? What would bring this kind of a judgment? And God says, I remember. I remember what you did. And here's the two things they did. I want you to get this. They persecuted God's children, chosen Israel. They hated him, them without cause. And the second thing, they did not fear God, not at all. And came the time when God said, enough. And he certainly says, don't you touch my chosen. Our nation had better take heed because there are two end-time demonic entities that have been loosed on America. And I believe that you'll agree with me as we talk about them. I cannot believe the rapidity with which we are losing our moral standards. You know, we used to talk about gradually boiling the, the frog. Remember that? Put him in cold water, set him on the stove, and he'll just sit there until you boil him. It's not that way anymore. It's, it's like a hot flame being thrust into our faces. And I'm just, I'm astounded by the things that are going on and approved of now. Two deadly demons instituting two deadly sins. And if we do not repent, we need to figure that God's judgment will fall. And we will be the tail and not the head. And we will be defeated by our enemies. And that possibility is staring us in the face. You do see it, I hope. Over the last decade, our military has been depleted under our noses, and the other nations know our vulnerability. God, here, here's what I want us to understand about this. It was really God who brought us the victory and passed. It was not our military might. It was God. God can withdraw that hand of protection at any moment, or he can save us at any moment at his choosing. If it happens to us, Christians will know it's not a military defeat. It will be a moral and a spiritual defeat that is happening. If we act like a pagan nation, he will withdraw that hand of protection and blessing. How do I know that? His word says it a thousand times, all through, over and over. Now, what are the two deadly deceptions? First of all, it's concerning Israel. God says this, I will bless those who bless you. You all know that. In America, Jews have been welcomed here. Other places, they've been persecuted, their homes taken, they've been destroyed, but they have been welcomed in America, and it's part of the blessing that we have gotten. The other side of the coin, God said, I will curse you who treat Israel with contempt. That's all we need to know. Wake up to the fact that God uses Israel to judge nations. I'm going to say that again. God uses Israel to judge nations. It's over and over in the Bible. Matthew 25, uh, we've had so much misconception about this, and I want you to get this today in case you're still confused about it. Matthew 25 talks about a shepherd separating sheep from goats. You all are familiar with that, I'm sure. There is one single issue that caused the separation of nations, and if you will look in your Bible, this is not called judgment of people. This is called judgment of the nations. There's one single thing. As you have done it unto the least of my brethren, you have done it unto me. The word brethren in Greek means from the womb. The people gathering around Jesus, they knew exactly that he was not talking about people in general. He was talking about Jewish people. 
He was not talking about people who just needed a drink of water or clothing or a visit in jail. He was talking about his chosen brethren from the womb, the Jews, the Jewish nation. It's so clear you need help to be confused about that. Nations are blessed or cursed by how they treat the Jews. Listen to what Obadiah says. The day is near when I, the Lord, will judge all nations. Ready? As you have done to Israel, so it will be done to you. Okay? Listen what he says in Obadiah, or in Joel. Here's a good one. I will gather all nations and bring them to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter judgment with them there on account of my people. Now listen. For scattering my people among the nations. Did that happen to the Jewish people? Okay? And for dividing up my land. That's happening this day. That's happening now. So Saul was said, was told, go wipe them out. And he didn't. He did not do what he was supposed to do. God would tell us right now about that land. It is not Jewish people's land or the Palestinians' land or the Arabs' land. God says, it's my land, my land, and God leased it. How airtight is that lease to the Jewish people? Well, Psalms 105, 8 to 11 says, he remembers his covenant forever, today just as much as he did. 4,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago. The covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac, he confirmed it to Jacob as an everlasting covenant. He says, to you, I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. Well, guys, the past few presidents have urged Israel to give up land in exchange for peace, for peace. Really, really. Land for peace makes no sense at all. Do you really think that if we can talk Israel into giving up the Golan Heights, that they suddenly would be enveloped in peace in that nation? You think we ought to be dividing up Canaan and giving it to Islamic terrorists in hope of peace? Listen, I'm not the president, but I'm smart enough to know this. There will be no peace no matter what Israel does because Satan has put hatred in the heart of his multitude of followers. It is without reason. They don't even know why they hate the Jews. They just know that they hate them and they want to destroy them. Israel is not attacking countries to get more land. She's not doing that. The only time she fights is when she's attacked. Israel just wants to be left alone in that little tiny strip of land that God gave them. If the Muslims would lay down their arms and seek peace, fighting would cease instantly in Israel. But if the Israelis would lay down their arms, Israel would cease to exist instantly. And here's what God says, and the words of God are irrevocable. Zechariah 2.8, For this is what the Lord Almighty says, Whoever touches you touches the apple of my eye, and I will surely raise my hand against them. So, girlfriends, listen. We need to befriend Israel. We need to pray for Israel. God will honor it when you pray. He will honor you for doing that. And we also need to, to write letters. Well, what if they're not counted? Hey, that's God's business. He wants to see you in action for his beloved people. There's emails all the time. I get things about Israel, and I can send an email just like that. And it needs to happen. You know the second demonic sin of this nation is a lack of holiness. We have raised now, this is our second generation of children in a cesspool of what the adults of this nation have chosen as their right to do. 
What is holiness? It's becoming more like Jesus in thought and in word and deed. Is there any chance that America is now on the way to becoming more like Jesus in thought, word, and deed? We do not see it, do we? Not Certainly not in the media. Uh, not in hardly anything. Oswald Chambers is my favorite author, the guy that wrote My Utmost for His Highest. I, I live in that devotional book. And he says this, do not think that God is an eternal blessing machine. He is not. We cannot expect to continue in his blessing if we refuse to walk in holiness. Okay, would Jesus change the definition of marriage to include men marrying men? Would, would he sacrifice children in the womb to the God of pleasure? Do you think he's pleased with California for now legalizing selling pot for just recreational use? State by state we fall. When one state does it, another, and then another. And pretty soon all of us fall. Missouri's right in line. Each thing that, you know, we were so upset about homosexual marriage. We're in it now. You know that. And legalized pot in one state, and now it's being legalized more and more for medical use. Don't think it won't happen. And watch the accidents on the roads. Watch the young lives that are going to be destroyed. God is saying, don't hurt yourself. And we are just following in the path that Satan is dropping a little bit for us to eat. And it's poison. Here's what I most fear. We're not just living in an anything-goes society. We are breeding an anything-goes Christianity. Christianity is being dummied down. Small hometown churches are so important. Churches that will preach heaven and hell. Churches that will pre preach repentance. And they are dwindling, and so many are closing their doors. They have been the bedrock of a community. They have made a community great. The little children have been brought there for vacation Bible school and for, for Awanas, the things that we're doing. And, and they can change communities. But now there are so many big mega churches. There are, there are good big churches, believe me, I know that. But there are so many mega churches that when we look at them, they are preaching a feel-good Christianity. They're tickling ears and providing entertainment. And if you went to a church like that, it's so big that you would never have to do anything. You get lost in it. You can just go sit down and be entertained for an hour, have your ears tickled by, oh, God is so good, God is so holy, and those, those things are fine. But sadly, then as they walk out, there's very little difference between those that call themselves Christians and those who do not. Listen how serious God says this is. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Okay, we preach that you have to believe in your heart. Yes, yes. And this is true, and you receive that salvation. But listen to this again. It says, pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord because the result of a true salvation is you want to be more like Jesus. You just want to. That's what's expected. And then you go to a church where you're taught to, that it's the right thing to do. But why are they not teaching holiness in, in so many of the mega churches? Because people do not want to hear it. They want to keep one foot in the world. They want to go to heaven. Repentance is a thing of the past to so many denominations in America. It's never mentioned. But the Bible teaches grace without repentance does not even exist. America wants grace, but they want to live like the world. Hell is something you do not talk about. Well, maybe it doesn't even exist. 
pulpits may not say that. They just don't talk about hell. We don't talk about it. Hey, Jesus did. We don't, we don't want to use it to scare people. Jesus did. If we walk like Jesus and talk like Jesus, we will be warning people that the reality of hell as their eternal destination is out there staring them in the face if they'll not accept the free gift of salvation. Jesus taught about hell so you would know, I love you. I do not want you to go there. We need to love enough to tell people this is not what you want with your life. Here's another thing we're not taught. The job of the Gentile is to reach the Jew, to love the Jew, to protect the Jew. The Bible says pray for Jerusalem. America better get it. Bless the Jew, pursue holiness. We may feel like that we are few and helpless against this great moral and spiritual decline in our country. Listen, let me tell you, the Bible says we are more than able, more than able, and we are without excuse. We need to start at home and ask God, God, make me holy. Right here, make me holy before you. And pray because God said, if my people... If my people will, personal religion is the best patriotism we could ever have. We can do that. We can do that. Pray for your church that it will be a true New Testament church. Lord, make my pastor bold. Pray that. Incite us to walk the walk and talk the talk before a nation that doesn't even want to hear. God will honor it if we do. And pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Support Israel. Pray for America. Pray that you'll be counted as the one who remained faithful in the face of a great defection. And who knows? Our prayers may engender a great awakening. It's happened before. God does not seem to have finished with us yet, does he? We're still here this morning. Let's see what he will do by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just a few followers of Jesus Christ can change the course of a nation if we will give ourselves to the fight and join our forces in prayer, believing the battle belongs to the Lord. Do you know this morning, that, or last, last time that we met, we saw Jonathan, just him and an armor bearer, and they went out and attacked an outpost. And what happened? The Lord saw it, and the ground shook, and there was noise, and those Philistines were running away. Just Jonathan and an armor bearer and the faith. Does that not encourage you? What we could do, what we could do. I'm very anxious that Dee is not here this morning. The calling she has for prayer for this nation. I hope several of you will feel that calling too. And when Dee gets this going, it will be for the specific purpose, if my people. So I hope that maybe that will be something you'll do. Here's what I don't want us to do. I don't want us to just talk about it until it's too late. We need to put the plan into action. I do not want to be found in a zombie-like sleep when God is calling us to arms today. Got to get that oil in our lamps and the fire in our heart and working and watching till he comes, okay? You know, my first opening after we finish uh, Christmas is supposed to be a nice, peppy, cheerful, happy new year. Couldn't do it, okay? Couldn't do it. Just got it on my heart. Had to stay with you. All right. This morning, can we just join in prayer for our nation? Can we just do that now? We um, don't have a, a lot of time left here, and I want to get into the lesson.